Now I just noticed I'd left one thing locked up in my briefcase here that I need to find, at least hopefully find, otherwise we'll do it manually. We'll do it manually. Fortunately there's always that way if you've lost something like the little radio controller that goes in there. Okay, are we on? We are indeed. You will notice our website, creationresearch.net, and the Q&A button. If you've got questions, you can ask them tonight, or you can actually go to our website and look up the hundreds of questions that are there. And yes, we will be introducing Joseph live later on. Joseph is the one with the hat on. Uh, the other thing is a fossil Chinese... Oh, I'd better wait until he tells you what this is about. We've really expanded our museum in the UK, including some ancient artefacts from, well, I'll let you tell him who signed this brick that's now on display in our museum. He'll be coming up just before our first question time, and he'll be doing so live. It's moderately early in England in the morning, but it's not as bad as last Sunday when I took him to another church, and he was awake at 4am to do that one. Uh, that's the trouble with England. It's so far behind us. You knew that, didn't you? Interesting. Tonight, we're in Australia. Tonight, we bring you the news as close as we can in preparing this talk um, on Christ, really, climate, and COVID and chaos. You notice the world is pretty messed up at the moment? It is. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue on with the whole night in the following way. Background, then ministry report, and then our first subject, which will be climate, then Joseph, then you get a chance to ask me questions, and then we'll deal with that controversial COVID bit, uh, and then we'll have another chance for questions, then I'll flee. Or perhaps I'll meet you up the back, and uh, if you've enjoyed the night, you can say so. Say hello to my darling wife, and uh, yes, okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that we have your word, for in this world, Lord, we, we have strife and trouble. We have sickness, Lord, like Job, your servant. We are sometimes tested almost beyond our endurance. But you, Lord, never fail us. Your word is true from the very beginning. And to fear the Lord is a really, really good thing. Help us, Lord, as we deal with these issues, provocative, controversial, troubling, disturbing, and uh, ones where we do need your answers to the real problem that's going on. Amen and amen, Lord Jesus. All right, did you get this over the internet? You know, all of these web postings and internet stuff, you can have so much news, it almost kills you. Have you noticed that? You don't even need a newspaper anymore, you're already drowned out. And of course, just a little while ago, there's great news, guys, on a feed that I'm on, no domestic COVID vaccine passports bill have been passed in Australia. But Qantas has just told you today that they'll require a vaccine uh, certificate before you're allowed to leave the country. Interesting. What's going on in Australia? Um, I went and checked. Yes, the government website has it certainly certified. The government does not require domestic COVID vaccine passports. So technically, I can go to New South Wales without one. But of course, you know, we can't. Now, have you noticed something about the amount of news that you're getting? I remember many years ago, a friend of mine who was a doctor, he and I were talking about stress levels in society. And he said, if I get anybody who comes to me and they are troubled by, the, by, by just their life, he said, I tell them to do three things. The first is cancel their newspaper. 
The second is cancel all their magazines and keep the television turned off. And the third thing is fill their minds with the word of God. Mm. Do you realise in this world, what does the scripture say? You have basically nothing but trouble. It's really true. Uh, we lost some friends, uh, lost some jobs last week because two of my friends lost their job. Um, they were gardeners. They said, I'm not going to have a jab. I don't trust this. Now they have no job. What, what are you going to do with these people? They're Christians. Are you going to support them? What is your church's attitude? Man, there's some issues we've never had to think about before in Australia. Of course, the police are doing some thinking because the police in Queensland have organised themselves into a group to fight the government's mandate that they are supposed to have a jab by the end of the month. What would you do? If you're a Christian policeman, would you join them? In fact, for the first time since I've been in ministry, churches have asked me now, could you please come and address the topic of when is it right to disobey the government? I'm supposed to be the preacher? You want me to get shot? You want me to be unpopular, more unpopular than I am at the moment? What would Jesus' attitude have been? Good question. Of course, can I encourage you to realise that when we see the worst of things happening in society, it always brings out one side that does a bit of relief, the funny side. There's always a funny side. I get into trouble sometimes by posting some of these funny things on church websites. You, you know the one about the doctor, don't you? I asked my doctor, when was this COVID thing going to end? And the doctor said, I don't know. I'm a doctor, not a politician. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I've had that from authoritatively from two or three sources, so I don't know if any doctor ever said that, but it certainly makes a really good story. And it's funny. And have you ever wondered what funny proves? I mean, look at this one. Trans-vaccinated. I'm not actually vaccinated, but I identify as someone who is. <laughs> hey, cool stuff. You do realise, of course, that we laugh because God laughs. We're made in his image and he does laugh. And we laugh, therefore. So we do have a funny side. Take advantage of it because if you haven't figured it out, it's one of the best stress relievers we have. So don't always watch the serious NCIS murder shows. Uh, try and find some good, clean humour because it reflects the nature of God and we need it. Hmm. Have you seen this stamped on your websites, on your postings? You know, if you even put up a posting, dogs don't need COVID vaccine, you'll get that. It's amazing. These are mindless robots, by the way, who do this. Um, uh, they have no idea what you just read, but they picked out a couple of words like COVID and vaccine. Of course, I like this one. At this point, I would feel safer if coronavirus held a press conference telling us how it's going to save us from the government. There it is. There's a funny side, a flip side to all of this. Okay, so that's one bit of society at the moment that really is leading to stress. As one pastor said to me recently, you know, there's more than just COVID you can die of. Particularly, you can die from stress. Marriages break apart from stress. Society breaks down. Kids go wild. Have you noticed all those things are actually happening at the moment too? It's not just the disease. How about this one? Did you fry in July? I've given a whole talk on climate change here in several different ways over the years, but this is the big issue now. It died for about two years. COVID took over. Now it's back again. Hottest month ever recorded on earth. We just lived through it, says the US agency. Wow. 
How long have we been keeping climate records? Well, the answer is about 120 years. How do we know it's the hottest month ever? Because some parts of Australia were really cold. Uh, Dr. Diane Eager lives in Canberra and it's been the coldest July they've had in Canberra, knowing the records. Okay, what about this one? Climate change. July, world's hottest month ever. That's the world. And you know that's not true. I know that's not true because the world still doesn't have climate records from every location on the planet anyway. And of course, on side by side with climate, you see, for the past two years, climate change has gotten less and less and less. And COVID has gotten more and more and more. Now they've teamed up. I mean, look at this. How climate change may have played a role in the, the emergence of COVID-19. I mean, can I tell you something? You put something on the web about COVID-19, even if it's ridiculous, you will get that fact-checker thing come up. But if you want your work to be published, put this aids in understanding of climate change. Just a phrase like that, and they'll grab your paper. If it aids our understanding of climate change and COVID, you are home and hosed. Yep, serious. In fact, I told you last time I was here that the chief guy in England who approves science grants told me that he is to reject any paper that does not support climate change. That's science? Yes, that's science at the moment. Hmm. And to top it all off, you, you, you've kept up with Afghanistan, haven't you? Don't you feel sorry for the Afghani women at the moment? Man, what a terrible world. How about the preachers and the teachers? Um, I mean, it's only a few months since the government there got all the preachers to register and the Taliban's got the complete list. Man, there's often dangers in getting onto a government list. Uh, what did I bring the Taliban up? Because climate change helped the Taliban return. Yeah, CBS News item, fully certified in a science paper. If you don't believe me, go to creationresearch.net and look up the original. It's amazing what's being linked to climate change and COVID because it is a bit of a mystery that the Taliban does not actually have much of a death rate from COVID-19 and they haven't been vaccinated. wonder what... Uh, you didn't hear that. Uh, you didn't see that on the news. happens to be a fact. Okay, so we've got creation research. We've got me and Joseph tonight. We don't have our dead head in the middle there that you can ask about him. He's hiding right here if you need to know more about fossil people. But we do need to bring you a report after that introduction a bit on Jurassic Ark again. Thank you to those who came up and said, oh, we were there a few years ago. It was wonderful, but it looks even better now. True, it really is. Visit Jurassic Ark. It's only maximum two hours up the road near outside of Gympie. It's a blessing. Come and enjoy the times that we actually share with you that all things are made by Jesus. So a little bit of revision over the past two years when I haven't seen you live at all. Yes, we have had student helpers before COVID hit us. Yes, we did teach them how to excavate rocks and fossils. And yes, we did remind them that the stones cry out the praises of God, not the applause of Charles Darwin. Oh, and look at the evidence. There's one student with a tool there and there's a fossil log he's excavating and right beside it are rocks. Here's my hands. Aren't they good-looking hands? And there's some slightly bigger rocks that we're excavating, one under the other. Now, I'm really motivated to work with Jurassic Ark for one reason – 
I still remember, and I've said this so many times, you could almost read the words out of my mouth, first year university, Queensland University, first week of the geology course, we are not going to study any such rubbish as catastrophic geology. We won't touch Noah's flood. But I didn't come from a Christian background. To me, that was like wet paint, don't touch. It backfired. So the whole of Jurassic Ark is a deposit in which we teach the students how to recognise the evidence of creation. Not just what to believe about creation, they need to, well, what did Jesus say? You will love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul and your mind. You will think. I mean, what do you do when you find two logs, sections of logs, and they're at right angles to one another? Did they grow there? No, there's no roots. Do you think they just fell over there? Not only is there no roots, there's no branches. And they're mixed up with stones. I mean, there's Dr. Diane Eager, one of our workers. Been so for many years, used to lecture in medical biology at the Canberra University. And you can see she's excavating some logs. And the logs are all lined up. And you see the big rock beside her left foot? Now, trees float, but rocks don't. It's true, isn't it? You can verify anything of that that I just said. So how did they get there? No branches, no roots, just smashed up, mostly pine, and they're mixed with rocks. And the biggest rocks are like this. We left it in the ground. We couldn't dig it out. It's so big. How would you have liked to have been there when the rocks and the trees were coming at you? Because this is an easy way to recognise a flood deposit. But last year, when my students were still having access to the place, we actually put in some summer protection. Wow, the heat in Gympie in the middle of summer can be pretty bad. One storm later, and there's no shelter. And I thought, oh, we just spent lots of money on those shelters. Yes, our engineer managed to put them together again. Well, shackle them together, bolt here, screw there. And it worked reasonably well, but it motivated us to do something we'd been praying about for ages. You see, in 2011, a big flood took this all out. You saw this morning the dam where we've doubled the size of the levee to stop that ever happening again. But we thought, let's now protect it from rain. In 2011, we had 400 mils of rain in four hours. That's what took Jurassic Ark. Cost us a small fortune to put it back together again. New levee, new dam, and let's put in tin sheds. Well, steel sheds, actually, $20,000 later. Isn't that good? Uh, by the way, did you notice the evidence of creation? That didn't happen by itself. The whole theory of evolution is that everything happened by itself. And you know all that happens by itself is Dad's car goes rusty. Your body gets old and crooked and cranky. Yeah, and your house falls apart. Okay. Man, I tell you what, I've enjoyed digging in the shade. What a luxury. Yep, if you've ever been out to the mining fields or opal fields and had to spend all day in the sun, this is luxury. And I'm excavating. Here's one of the logs. My grandson Ben, who was here this morning, he found that one. Um, oh, yes, we go with the prongers under the ground and we actually hear clink, clink. And that's different from thud, thud or different from... And you can tell a log even when it's under the ground. So we excavate it. Do you notice it's got no branches, just one straight log? It's a flood deposit because even the roots are ripped off. You can see where they used to be. 
Um, do you realize if you sit down and love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, and your mind, and you do think, you can ask. Given what God said happened, the whole world was inundated. God set out to, how does Peter describe it? To cataclysmos the world. It wasn't just a friendly little, oh, it's raining, said everybody. And no, no, it was cataclysmic. It was devastating. It was catastrophic. And the reason why the university did not want to even get you to think about Noah's flood was not because it was a flood, not because it was the world's first recorded climate change, not because Noah had to build a boat. They don't mind any of those things. They don't want it because God was judging the world for evil. And this God has not changed. He's hated evil then and he hates evil now. He was the judge and he is the judge and he will return as king and lord and judge. You know, when the students come, some of them, in fact, one of the teachers asked me on Thursday when the school turned up, how would you know this is Noah's flood? I said, well, here's a few clues. You can actually get on a bus with me and we can travel all over Australia and see where this bed is. I'll give you the eastern bit. Yeah, I've been to every bit except the top north. So I'll vouch that it's there. I've got that, you know, on my phone. Just on my little iPhone, I've got 25,000 pictures. And I've got another 100,000 in file at home on all these rocks and fossils. So if you want to see a picture of a rock, come and talk to me sometime. But there isn't one rock that applauds Charles Darwin. There isn't one rock, there isn't one stone that approves of the university not dealing with the evidence of a flood. You see, if you've got a place that big, which is full of logs that have no branches and no roots and they didn't grow there, then they grew somewhere else. And so from somewhere else, they've all been washed in. You know this by another name, the Great Artesian Basin. And it sort of curves down. These are all one rock. You can follow all around the edge and see logs everywhere. A huge, catastrophic deposit. In fact, I've sometimes thought, because I've worked over a lot of the area, we drill down and we know how deep it is because we've been drilling for water. Isn't this true? And almost nobody stops and thinks, if I put a radioactive tracer out on the edge of this and I time how long it takes, you know, the best estimate so far is it would take about 4,000 years to get to the centre. Now, that's a pretty good estimate, I think, which means the water in the middle is probably about 4,000 years old, which means the water in the middle, we should bottle it, Noah's water. Stop and think about that sometimes. But you see, to identify water as coming from the flood tells you the Bible is actually real history. And the judgment was just as real as the flood evidence. Pray for Daryl. Daryl was a missionary, he's retired now, his wife is quite ill, so he comes along and he uh, works as our curator. We have lots of experiments going to show you that things happen far faster. You don't need time to make methane gas, it comes from grass at zero um, fancy chemical, you can make it in a bag. You can make it at room temperature. You just mix it with clay. You don't need millions of years at all. You need exactly what would have happened in Noah's flood. Plants and clay all mixed together in dirty water and you'll end up with methane within a day. Uh, pray for some of our new workers like Linda. Linda was a teacher. She's now retired and working for Creation Research and spending lots of time digging rocks. She was up there on Thursday helping with the other school. And so was her husband. It's good to be able to re, you know, re reel these husbands in as well. Um, look at some of the things we've found. Hey, look at that. It looks like a pencil, doesn't it? 
as you can see from the size of it. In fact, we've found dozens of these now, and here's Dr. Diane Eager holding one up that, well, you can see the scale, and it's heavy as. What is it? In fact, it looks like a piece of bamboo. This is another one that's not in any of the books. You know, when people say, how come you find such interesting fossils? I love to tell you this, and it doesn't matter what your profession is, you should start this way too. Oh Lord, now that I'm out of bed, go ahead of me please, and lead me in your ways. And in my case, open up the earth, Lord, and show me the rocks and fossils that bring you praise. You know, that's, I, I tell that to university. They say, how do you find these rocks? I say, I start by asking God who knows where every rock is. In fact, they're all his rocks. Hey, look, is that bamboo? If it is, it's a world first. Wow, fascinating. Look, that's what I found a few weeks ago. Now, what do you think that might be? Uh, we dug it up and we, you can see how it's curved? It's curved because the ground has sagged and everything. And just for the school's sake, we put it all back together again and asked them. And some of them said, that looks like a horn of a dinosaur. Hey, it might be too. Uh, are you going to come and see Jurassic Park? It's fabulous because this guy's coming up if the borders are open. Uh, Dr. Nigel Curry has just joined our team. We're praising the Lord for that. You know, when I met him first, he was an atheist. And he was at Adelaide University and he was doing his doctorate in chemistry. It's wonderful how God sows and years later a crop is reaped. He's now a Christian and he wants to be involved and he's been working for all sorts of fancy people on chemistry and it's wonderful to say, excuse me, can you tell me how this chemical would do that? Oh yes, we used that in this experiment. Yeah, pray for Dr. Nigel as he's planning on coming up to Jurassic Ark as well as soon as the borders are open because Jurassic Ark isn't just to have good exercise. I mean, good exercise is vital, but it's not as important as the good word of God because all things were not only made by Christ, but all things were made for Christ. Here's another fossil that was on display. Now, that young man, he came up to Jurassic Ark one day and look at that lovely tooth. Yes, that is the tooth of a marsupial lion. Well, we call it a lion because it's got big teeth, it's got claws. It seems to be extinct and I think you might be grateful that it is here in Australia. Um, with teeth like that, they love to say it used to kill things. Yep, found first on the Nullarbor Plains, but I dug that tooth up at, you know, near Warwick. Um, it's Australian, all right. And in the beginning, well, what, would, what do you think it would have eaten in the beginning? God made everything very good. All the creatures ate plants. Do you believe that? Because if you're a dietitian, you need to start with that and then look at what's happened to diet since we got past Noah's flood, since Jesus sent us out to evangelise all the world and take notice of what Jesus said. Well, this young man did and now Danny's saved. Wonderful. Jurassic Ark does not just exist to educate kids on how to recognise Noah's flood. You realise as the people built their imitation arcs in the first 40 days and 40 nights, they recognised the cataclysmic flood. I don't think it did them any good. In fact, I love to tell people, don't just stop preaching uh, about creation because everybody in hell's a creationist. Yep, they need a saviour. They need to know that the creation was begun good by God, so don't blame him for anything rotten. He made everything good. We sinned. We need a saviour and we need to remember 
who it is, particularly as we address the climate issue, who sends the rain? The same one who sends the drought. Remember this morning we showed you some of the money expense, so thank you for those of you who support us. We have been using your money, a lot of it lately, and uh, you need to pray it'll, it'll top up like our dam will. We extended the dam by 30%, and my grandson Ben, who was here this morning, he has lots of work to do, like chop down the trees that are in the road of shed number three. I mean, great job, Ben. Oh, some of you are old enough to remember that joke, Ben at work, remember? Men at work? Oh, you don't. You didn't watch that sort of music. I didn't either. But it's a, it's a rather famous trade name. And look, there's the new damn wall to stop the water. That's higher than the water was in 2011. If you want to know about tomorrow, visit the past and visit it often. If the water came up to here in 2011, I'm going to build the wall higher. Amazing. And now we've got shed number two. It's great to have all this shade because the students who arrived there Thursday went, ah, we spent most of the day out in the sun and now we can get into the shade. So pray for all the finances that are involved. The Lord is our provider. Someone said, you know, you've still survived. I said, yeah, it's amazing, but we have. The Lord has kept us, even though there's been no ministry to do, even though our finances for the past two months were based on having 30 meetings, every one of which was cancelled because of COVID. Pray for the dam as it expands. Pray for the Lord to send the ministry and pray for the schools. We now have three of them lined up to come. I think it's time the school here came again because they did go once, didn't they? It was great. Visit Jurassic Ark and visit Gympie, Australia. Ah, it's about two hours from here. Doesn't even cost you a fortune to go. Climate. The climate in the rocks at Jurassic Ark tells you it was a better place once because there are big pine trees in the rocks. There are lots of varieties of trees. Okay, there's off Google. Do you use Google to check facts? Sometimes you need to be careful. Here's a fact. The highest level ever recorded at the Tay Bridge in Perth is 4.93 metres, reached on Sunday, the 17th of January, 1993, at 7.30 p.m. It's based on the official government website for the area. If Google says it, it must be true. I mean, if Wikipedia's got it in, it's got to be right. Sadly, this does not turn out to be true. You see, I've been to the Tay Bridge. Our treasurer for many years has lived just outside of Perth. Um, this bridge was built in 1771 and you thought some of our bridges were old. This bridge is actually there. It's called Smeaton's Bridge because Mr Smeaton put it up. Uh, there were bridges there beforehand but most of them disintegrated, disappeared or you crossed in the dry time because there's, well, have you noticed where most old bridges are? There used to be fords. Uh, that's how they crossed before there was a bridge. Okay, Smeaton's Bridge is right there. I've been over it, I've been under it, I've been through it. Okay, here's the famous flood. Heavy rain and flooding at the Tay Perth, Perthshire, Scotland area. Yep, the water is certainly coming over the edge. And in a strongly Presbyterian area, what would you call the historic book that was written about this flood? Here, the Great Flood. Yeah, I mean, Presbyterians traditionally are supposed to believe in the Bible, correct? And the Great Flood would bring up images of what? Noah's Flood? That's what it used to be called, the Great Flood? Trouble is, this Great Flood doesn't turn out to have been as big as the original one. In fact, what they did was they took the bridge and they carved lines on the edge of the bridge as to where the water got to. 
The evidence is inscribed in the rocks. There's the height of the flood in 1993. Now there's lots of bricks here so you can record lots of floods. And I noticed something about this bridge because I've been there. Our representative still lives there and I got him to go back and double check. Uh, You see, remember the point we made this morning? The Bible is not a book about religion, it's a book about truth. The whole issue, whether it's climate or COVID or evolution or creation, is not science versus religion, it's truth versus error. You are commanded to seek the truth, to seek it out, to think about it. They actually sent £122,000 just to check if this bridge had any damages. Fortunately, it didn't. But spending £122,000, that's about $300,000. That's a big check. Okay, let's do some checking ourselves. There's the bridge, the date it was made. There's the heights of the various floods. Take some close-ups. The height of the flood in... It says there's a height of flood in 1993. There's an even higher one in 1814. Look at that. Hey, the one in 1814 was higher than the one in 1993. The people in 1814 scratched out the brick and said, here's where this flood got to. Okay, we do our fact check, and the fact check that the highest flood ever occurred in 1993, which suits the climate change people, because they're trying to tell you the floods are worse, the droughts are worse, the water's higher. You're doing it. You Christians are the worst of all because you invest your money in non-green enterprises. So your church, there's even a Climate Sunday coming up. Did you know that? And you're encouraged to actually get your church to preach about how you need to save the planet. Actually, you need to save the people. The planet's going to be burned up. Now, that doesn't mean you can do whatever you like to it because that's self-defeating. You ruin the planet, then you suffer. Mm. But as a fact, I'm sorry, I noticed this even on the newspaper photograph that they published. If you had good eyes, you could see the 1814 date above the brick that was published in the newspaper reporting this was the highest flood. I'm sorry, they lied to you. I mean, in a court of law, if you said you took $6 and the lawyer said, but the paperwork shows you took $6 million. Oh, yes, yeah, six, six million. What's the difference? And the lawyer says, one's 22 years in prison. It does make a difference. You see, a lie is something which is not the truth. Now, we've only just touched on that. Can I encourage you that you can see the whole of this discussion on climate? We did a special a few weeks ago. We broadcast every Saturday morning from Australia at 6am. I don't expect you to get up right, but it's being broadcast to England and to Canada and America and a few very awake Australians who get up that early. Uh, You can get it on StreamYard, you can get it on Zoom, you can get it on our website if you go and look it up. All right, now let me take a slight diversion here, but the same subject. I'm going to introduce our friend Joseph shortly. Joseph and Sarah went to Iceland. Remember I said that's where they spent their honeymoon? And their best friend, John Mackay, who'd been praying for both of them for a while, um, said, I've got some places I need you to photograph while you're there. And Joseph, being a wonderful husband, said, we would love to do that. And his wife, being a wonderful wife, said, we will do it. And it turned into a wonderful DVD. Fortunately for Joseph, he married a film producer. 
But I'll let him tell you a lot more about his lovely wife. And it ended up being a global warming issue. Um, they produced a, a, v, a DVD, uh, an MP4. You can now stream it as well. And he'll tell you more details about that. I'm just going to play you a little extract of it and then I'll hand over to Joseph after this. Here's the introduction. G'day, I'm Indiana Joe, and welcome to Iceland. We're here to explore the fire, the ice. We've come here to find out truths about the Bible. We've come here to discover climate change. And this is Iceland, land of fire and ice. before Joseph takes over. I hate to tell you, but we have one copy left. Thank you for those of you who took it. The prophets go to help what Joseph's doing, what we're doing. It's a great DVD. I'd encourage you to look at it. And I also have to tell you, we only have one copy of this book left, Walking with Jesus Through Genesis. So much of the devotional stuff we've touched on, you'll be blessed by walking through Genesis with Jesus and this book being your, your, your guideway. Uh, you'll find that a real blessing. Are you online, Joseph? There he is coming up. I should be switched off now. And can I move over? Yes, you can still hear me, can't you? Okay, Joseph, I'm going to actually stand over this side because you don't need to see me. They need to see you. And yes, you're up there. What's it like Excellent. in England at the moment? Well, it's early-ish in the morning, but not ridiculously early like you got me to do the other day. So thank you, Good Shepherd, for having a church service at a reasonable time for us people in the UK, because it means that we can uh, join in without having to be up at four o'clock in the morning. So yeah, it's a right. fairly dull day. It's not particularly sunny, uh, but we're sort of moving into our autumn period now, which is where you'll get a few nice days, but mostly fairly murky. Okay, now... You're in England, I'm in Australia, you're roughly mm -hmm. nine hours behind us, so they can work all that out themselves. Nine hours or so. And you're in, it looks like you're in a little office, is that correct? Yes, more or less. Um, so when I got married uh, back in, uh, well, it was it's a year ago, it was a year ago yesterday we got married. It was the 11th of September in 2020, and... Um, I'd moved into the sort of the bird household, uh, you know, family place into a little caravan in the garden. And when we got married, me and Sarah Ann both moved into this caravan, um, like a little, you know, hookup caravan on the back of your car and go riding in it. Well, this one you can't really hook up anymore because we've sort of fully converted it into a mini house. And then we put on a big awning on the front, um, which we've recently had to replace. And the little corner of the awning, we were able to put a little, little extension in it, in the corner of the tent-like awning, and that's where we've set up our office. So currently, all of the ministry is being run out of this little corner office in a tent in the garden, but there's some good news which we'll update as we have a few uh, PowerPoints in a moment, um, and we'll update you about some exciting developments. Okay, so it was true when I warned you that joining Creation Research would make you a millionaire. Yes, I'm doing really well with the plan. It's, yeah, we're, <laughs> you know, one of the, one of the things that uh, I've always said we'll be grateful for 
I mean, not that I'm saying this is necessarily, you know, a hard time, but it's certainly not, you know, we haven't got a house. We're not um, running the whole ministry from a, a huge, great, big state-of-the-art office or anything like that. And one thing it does teach you, well, are two things, really. Um, it teaches you to trust in God because it's been really tough over the last sort of year or so or two years now, really, um, with COVID. And we've had to rely on uh, creation research in Australia. So, yes, your gifts to Australia or creation research Australia really does affect us here in the UK because we've had to be fully dependent uh, on John and the team to really support us over the past couple of years. But it also it really does make you appreciate the space that you have um, and the amount of work that you can actually do in not let's, let's say not ideal conditions. So living where you are in a tent and a caravan is wonderful when the snow settles on the roof. <laughs> yeah, um, we have to be a little bit a little bit careful with that. Uh, earlier um, this year, we actually ended up installing a wood-fired stove because we came back from our trip. John was mentioning uh, fire and ice um, that we filmed. We came back from our honeymoon and everything was damp and some of the books had got ruined and it was a bit of a nightmare, really. So what we had to do is actually put in a, a, a wood-burning stove so that we could try and not only just warm the place up but also try the place out because uh, it does get a little bit damp in the winter so we're just getting to that kind of point where we're starting to need to light the fire every uh, every few days or when it gets a bit cooler at night so um, it's sort of cheaper than running through electricity it's safer than running through gas and it's quite nice to sit and watch the fire as well so uh, hopefully that'll keep us going over this uh, this this coming winter. And before I disappear, you're still certain God has called you to creation research ministry. Oh, yes, there's been no doubt about that in my mind for a long while. And I think you'd say the same, John. Um, you know, God has brought us through so much. I mean, just the last... 18 months has been uh you know really tough on 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 the whole ministry and ministries in general but even before that um the way that i was called into ministry the way that i met you the way that we're able to interact i mean i remember when i came and visited you guys at good shepherd uh in 2018 which was what getting on for nearly three years ago over three years ago something like that um and uh, i look back to that kind of time and how how immature in a sense that I was in terms of my uh, teaching and preaching ability, but the Lord has really, really blessed me. And, uh, you know, John is a great mentor and a great teacher. So he's taught us a lot over the past few months, especially uh, to do with technology, because we've had to be forced to adapt and, uh, you know, take up this virtual broadcast and virtual speaking um, kind of method. So, uh, yeah, I'm no doubt in my mind that uh, God has firmly planted me in creation research um, All right. with this ministry. Totally over to you for the next 10 minutes or so. Joseph, take it away. Excellent. Well, I want you to meet my wife, first of all, Good Shepherd. Um, I, I can't remember if you've met her before. I know we did a broadcast like this last year uh, via Zoom, and I can't remember. We weren't married at the time, but I was living uh, with her family, so I can't remember whether or not you'd met her. But she's here, and we are married, and she's now my wife, so I'm going to very carefully turn the camera around, and hopefully you'll be able to uh, see her. There she is. So this is Sarah Ann. Let's turn the... Um, Let's whoops. Let's turn them. There we go. Turn the microphone around so everybody can hear you. Because I've got a few uh, a few questions to ask you, Sarah. And so, first of all, what's it like uh, being married? It's very nice being married. It's very good to know that someone's always in your corner. That's my best part. <laughs> so we've we've been married for a year now, a whole year now. Um, how is it like? Because you know, 
as I'm sure John will uh, will tell you, uh, when you get married is to somebody who's in ministry, you become part of the ministry as well. And I've been completely dependent on you for so many things over the past year, and it's really enabled me to take the ministry forward uh, massively. Cups of tea are a very important thing, yes. Um, but what's it, what's it like being involved now in ministry? Because when we first met, it was you who said that you felt called to assist me in the ministry in any way. And um, I uh, thought I wasn't going to get a, an offer like that again, so I thought I had to marry you. So what's it been like <laughs> being in ministry? Well, as with all new jobs, it takes time to train a person up. So sometimes it feels a little bit slow because I, I need training and it's frustrating when I have to keep asking keep asking Joe if I've done something correctly. But it's certainly given me a purpose to my life that I was lacking. And yeah, it was a calling from God and there's nothing else really to say about that because a calling from God is a calling from God and that's yeah. what it is. And you've done really well over the past year adapting from the sort of family uh, life that you were in before into this sort of very busy very hectic ministry and also some of you will know about my health problems and uh, I've been told by the doctor that I've had to slow down and Sarah Ann's very good at forcing me to do that so thank you for that uh, one last question Sarah Ann before we share some slides and run through a few things um, what is something that that God has really um, helped you or, or taught you over the past year of not just marriage but also being involved in ministry He's taught me that I can do more than I realise. Before, I might, if I thought something was too hard for me, I might just get like my mum to do it or Joseph to do it or something. But now that we're so busy, I have to think to myself, can I actually do this before bothering somebody else with, with what I'm trying to do? All right, thank you very much. Wave goodbye, and I'll turn the camera back on to me. Um, that's Sarah Ann there. Turn it around, so let's move it around like that. That's better. Lovely. Back in place. Marvellous. All right, well, what I'm going to do for the next few minutes or so is run you through some of the projects we've been doing with Creation Research and uh, run you through some of the exciting updates that we've been do doing over the last year or so and ways that you can help us and support us in the ministry, not just here in the UK, but also around the globe. Um, I had a friend pop out to see me this morning. It's still fairly early in the morning, but he came even earlier and he has just dropped off this rather marvellous thing here. Um, Hey, this is a, a rather beautiful Egyptian mummy mask. Oh, we're going to come on to that in a minute, but it does make a rather important point, and I want to give you a theme for my little section we're talking about here. It actually comes from the book of Philippians, my theme, and I've used it a lot over the last few days. It's Philippians chapter 2, um, verse 5. Let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. And I wonder if John has used that as well, because um, he uses it a lot as well, because it gives you a very important perspective. When you're viewing the world, when you're dealing with the world, you need to make sure that you have the mind of Christ in you. And that's a big part of what we do with the ministry, not just with our museum projects, not just with beautiful artifacts like this mummy mask, but also with all of our teachings. And the way that we try and encourage the saints is to make sure that you have the mind of Christ when you're looking at the world around you. Now I'm going to share the uh, screen just here, although I can't actually seem to do that, so never mind, I'll just give you some uh, updates. Um, 
No, that's fine. Never mind. Okay, well, I'm just going to give you a few updates there about what we've been doing. Um, so one of the big things that we've been doing over the last little while, uh, a few weeks back, actually months back, we uh, started doing a weekly broadcast called Creation Conversations. Um, it goes out at six o'clock Australian time, so it's quite early for you, but it is also actually recorded and it stays up on our YouTube. It's broadcasted on YouTube and Facebook. Now this started with me and John deciding to talk about Fire and Ice, our brand new documentary. And as we uh, kind of went through it, we thought it would be really good to make this a sort of a, uh, a common theme that we should actually continue doing this and continue broadcasting this every single week. And then we started to get some guests along. So for, uh, from every week uh, going forward, we've been doing this weekly broadcast, either featuring myself or John or myself and John and another guest as we talk about well, we try and do topical things. We try and be bringing a bit of politics, perhaps, and a bit of worldview stuff, newsy stuff. But we also do a very special broadcast once every few weeks or so where we go into detail about one particular topic. Our most recent topic was giants in the land. You know that tricky little subject of uh, Nephilim, giants? How does this fit into scripture? I mean, I first came across this sort of topic in detail when I was traveling through Australia with John in 2018. And since then, it's been one of our most commonly asked questions. Ah, uh, interesting what you actually come across in the world of creation research as you continue uh, sort of working through these things and speaking to people. So you can find out more about that if you go to our YouTube channel and go to Creation Research, we're usually the top result which comes up and you'll find our playlist there. And one of the ways that you can actually really help us is to like and subscribe and watch these videos because by doing that, you're actually allowing us to send this video to more people because the more people who watch it, the more people who like it, the more people who interact with it, even just a comment saying, hey, that was great, means that YouTube will actually show this to more people, which means that we can actually spread the message even further. And one person who's very much been helpful in the last couple of weeks and has come aboard with creation research in the UK is a young man named Sam, who I think John has mentioned earlier. And um, he's done a really, really great job at helping us with some of this media stuff. Uh, one of the other things that we've been doing in the last few weeks, we've started taking some of our fossils and great big things around with us. Uh, I've got some pictures that I was hoping to show, but I can't seem to work out how to share the screen. So we'll just have to briefly mention a few things that we've been doing. Um, we went to a big home educators conference in the UK, the largest one in the UK, uh, one of the only ones in the UK as well. But we were able to take a lot of our fossils, a lot of our giant dinosaurs and set them up in a wonderful display so that we could really strengthen people's faith, including some rather marvelous new artifacts. Now, I'm going to briefly tell you about a couple of these artifacts. Um, John will hopefully have some pictures so you'll be able to see them. But one of the things that uh, we've been doing is bringing these artifacts to people to give them the truth of the Bible. And if you want a really good book about how all these artifacts sort of match up with scripture, I highly recommend this one here. They Speak With One Voice by John Osgood. I expect John has got some of the book table, but it really does show you how to get all of these artifacts, including things like these mummy masks, into perspective. What's the mummy mask got to do with the Bible? Well, this particular one actually dates according to the chronology, which is laid out in John Osgood's book, um, to the same time that Israel and Joseph 
were in Egypt and Israel died. And it says in Genesis that he was embalmed. He was mummified. Ah, can you see the connection now? You're actually touching and feeling a real artifact from the time of Joseph in Israel, a time of the children of Israel in Israel. Some fascinating stuff. And one of the really great things that we've been doing um, is getting these artifacts on display, including things like jar handles, which contain the seal of Hezekiah. Ah, Hezekiah, the biblical king, and great big bricks, which contain text referring to King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, in particular, this brick, by the way, all these things are fully providenced. You have to make sure that they haven't been smuggled out of the Middle East during the Gulf Wars and that they've uh, come legitimately to the UK. And this brick has got some fantastic providence with it. It's actually been brought to the UK back in the 30s by the Reverend Leonard Pearson and uh, back when it was perfectly legal to do so. And it even went into the British Museum for a little while. Now, you can't get anything out of the British Museum anymore, but it turns out that he only had loaned it to the British Museum. So when the British Museum became sort of institutionalized in the 1970s, they said, hey, you've got to take this brick back, otherwise we're keeping it forever. So Leonard took it back, but it included the full translation from the British Museum, and we ended up acquiring it earlier this year. Now, in particular, this brick is very important because well, we've got some other examples of uh, cuneiform bricks, but they all refer to King Nebuchadnezzar in the third person. In other words, a scribe who was taking it down said, King Nebuchadnezzar then said this, and this is what he said. It's a third person dictation uh, that's been dictated. Okay, in the Bible, in the book of Daniel, you'll read about Nebuchadnezzar's prayer. Oh, you know when Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, I'm the greatest God of all, I'm so powerful, who can possibly challenge me? And God said, well, I'm going to send you into the wilderness and your nails are going to grow out and your hair's going to go wild and you're going to eat grass. And then when Nebuchadnezzar had finished that little spell in the wilderness and came back, he said, hmm, maybe I'm not quite as powerful as I thought after all. And he wrote a really nice detailed prayer in which he refers to himself in the first person. He says, I am King Nebuchadnezzar, and I say this, God is more powerful than I. Now, a lot of Bible scholars used to mock um, the Nebuchadnezzar's prayer in the book of Daniel because he refers to the king in the first person. And the argument was the scribes would have never dared to have penned the words down, I am Nebuchadnezzar, because Nebuchadnezzar was treated as a deity. That would have been blasphemy if they'd have done that. He was so important, you see. And so they said this prayer, this book of Daniel, this prayer that's found in the book of Daniel had to be penned down hundreds of years after the incident was supposed to have occurred because no scribe at the time would have penned those words down. Then they started finding bricks, like our cuneiform brick, which refers to the king in the first person. It says King Nebuchadnezzar, who provides for these people who I'm building this building for, king of Babylon, am I. It's a first-person reference to King Nebuchadnezzar. And it turns out the historians and the archaeologists were actually right all along. No scribe would have dared pen the words down, I am Nebuchadnezzar. So whenever you find the words, I am Nebuchadnezzar, or Nebuchadnezzar am I, or wherever it refers to the king in the first person, it always turns out that it is Nebuchadnezzar himself who is actually writing this down, or Nebuchadnezzar himself who physically stamped this brick because it is referring to him in the first person. Now, bricks like ours not only show you the amazing thing that, hey, Nebuchadnezzar himself has actually stamped this, he's actually printed this himself, it also 
shows that the validity of the Bible and that the Bible can actually be trusted, um, including the bit where it first refers to Nebuchadnezzar in the first person. Hey, the Bible had it right before the scholars did. Interesting, that. But it does mean that we can take this book around to people and people can actually touch something straight out of the Bible. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, great stuff and great, pro, uh, great um, places that we've been able to go and actually show this, including to one of the largest Christian music festivals in the UK, Creation Fest, back for the first time since COVID this year uh, at the beginning of August. And we were able to be there with our dinosaurs and our roaming museum display. And you know what? The formula works because we had the dinosaurs outside and the dinosaurs brought the kids in. And once the kids have come in, the parents can look around at the museum and the artifacts and, hey, you're actually able to give them the gospel very, very easily when they start looking at real biblical artifacts and real fossils. And it worked so well that at the end of the uh, whole event, um, the kids were in the kids' ministry in the big tent, you know, several hundred kids there, and we heard, did you enjoy Creation Fest? And all the kids went, yes! And then we said, we heard, what was your favourite bit about Creation Fest? And enough kids shouted out so that we could hear, we were 600 feet away or something like that, and we could hear clearly enough kids shout out, the dinosaurs! Hey, the formula works, dinosaurs... Uh, people just absolutely love them. So we were able to bring these dinosaurs along to these places, and these are all artefacts, these are all collections out of our UK museum project. We have over 12,000 fossils, artefacts, and items in our museum project just down the road. Oh, we've actually been given a large building. You see, there's a very big estate. You know how the UK used to have lots of these great big estates and stately homes? Well, uh, the stately home down the road is called the Quinter Estate. And it was owned by Thomas Barnes, who built a great big house there, which now belongs to the Quinter Christian Centre, a big retreat centre, so churches can come and have, you know, camps and holidays there. It's also where an organisation called OM, Operation Mobilisation, runs out of. And in the 1880s, Thomas Barnes built a chapel in order for all of the workers on the estate to actually go to and worship God. And his wife, Lydia, who loved children, wanted to make sure that the children not only got a good education, but also got a Christian-based education. So she made her husband, Thomas Barnes, in 1886, build a huge Sunday school, bigger than the church itself. Now, this Sunday school has been pretty much unused uh, for the last sort of 30-odd years or so. It's just been occasionally used by the church for some meetings, and we've just been given full permission to use it full-time with uh, and not only as a headquarters for creation research, so a, uh, a head office there upstairs, but also as a museum project where we can actually put this all on display. And we've just started setting up the exhibit so we can take people around. We had our first visitors a couple of weeks back and we were able to take them around the collection, the fossils, the artifacts, bringing the Bible to life and showing them that, hey, they need to have Christ's mind in their heads as they look at the world around them and make sure they're seeing them everything from a biblical perspective so some really exciting stuff but the building needs a bit of work uh, there's lots of stuff that needs to be done before we can move in there um full time as a, as a head office so we really do appreciate churches like yourself who support the ministry and like i said earlier supporting creation research in australia really does support us very very big uh, you know very specifically here in the uk 
A couple of things I mentioned before I hand back to John. Uh, I just want to let you know what we're going forward in the future. Now, tomorrow, well, a few, well, a year ago actually now, I was contacted uh, by somebody from Malawi, you know, the little country in Africa. And it was contacted to me through my father-in-law, who works as a Christian teacher trainer in countries around the world, including, or specifically rather, very, very poor countries like Malawi, um, uh, like Uzbekistan, and places like that. And he travels out to most of them when it's not COVID. And uh, he actually this guy called Daniel from Malawi contacted me and said, hey, we're starting up a Christian college. A whole group of us are starting up a Christian college where we train teachers so that they can go out and teach other children, you know, like school teachers. But he said, because we're a Christian college, we want all of them to actually be trained from a Christian perspective. And if you want to do your Bachelor of Education with us, you actually have to take an entire year worth of ministry training. Could you come on board and deal with the, the subject of what is a biblical worldview? How do I teach from a biblical worldview? How do I give a biblical worldview to my students? And I said, sure, just let me know the details. Well, a couple of weeks ago, he rang me up and said, ah, here's all of your program. It's taking place on the 13th of September. Hang on, 13th of September is tomorrow morning. And there's time difference as well. So I've got to get up very, very early tomorrow morning and get set up and ready to broadcast so that we're uh, ready to go. Uh, we're doing an entire week, a whole module on what is a biblical worldview to these students in Malawi, virtually, of course, like I'm speaking to you now. Hey, we're getting John to come and get involved in a couple of days' time as well. But this is African time. It's all very last minute. So please do pray that uh, God gives me the words because we're very, very, very behind on all the preparation and there just hasn't been enough time to pull it all together. So pray that God gives me his words on my lips so that we can actually encourage these people over these saints over in Africa and give them a very good session of teaching on biblical worldview. It should be really exciting. Looking forward, we're trying to organize some autumn ministry. We're starting to get some bookings, but there's lots more opportunities. So do pray for the UK ministry as we travel around doing field trips, uh, as we travel around um, uh, doing church talks like this and debates and present evening presentations and all the like. We've got a museum project, which is really picking up pace now. So do pray for that. We need a lot more funding so we can take it through. We've got plenty of writing projects and, of course, looking far distant into the future we're hoping we can pick up the ministry which i was supposed to be doing in early 2020 in the united states in canada and of course australia i was supposed to be coming to see you again but covid came and god obviously had other plans so hopefully we can pick that up again sometime soon in the future uh once you open up your borders again we're slowly opening up here in the uk but uh, i understand you're fairly locked down over there in australia so do keep us in your prayers. Uh, do If you want to support us, there are many ways that you can do. Prayers is obviously the biggest one, but you can buy books and DVDs. Um, I think John mentioned that they didn't actually have any of these books, but The Rocks Cry Out is a brand new series. It really is worldwide. So you can support us by buying books and DVDs. You can also watch our broadcasts that go out the youtube videos you can like them you can share them all of this really helps us get greater influence and it means we're able to put more and more out and of course you can support us here in the uk and in australia with your donations so thank you so much for all of your support so far well that's just about it for me um i'm going to hand back to john now i'll take back over here and uh, move on one uh, yes we finished the dvd as they watched you 
they got to meet you and your lovely wife and you forgot to mention your family, the furry one. But it is time for you to ask questions and it is time for you to be reminded that there are books up the back. Joseph does a great job, but pray for him as we now release him in the public because he hasn't been doing any preaching for the last 18 months or so. It's been pretty tough, but the Lord has provided and kept us reminding people that God made the world in six days and he's going to remake it in less than six seconds and he's going to burn this place up. So yes, be concerned about climate. Be concerned about the environment. It's God's world. You don't own it. He will judge you for the way you use it. right? And he's designed it to bless you. Okay, now we probably won't get to COVID tonight. I will get to the final point. I'll do that uh, by flicking through here and remind you what the whole aim of the night was. But if you have any questions on climate or anything like that, now is your five minutes to ask them. Yeah, I'm sorry we didn't. Joseph is, uh, isn't it? I mean, you wanted to see some of the pictures. I've got them on my screen here. It's a great opportunity to have a, a building bigger than this one for a creation museum in England. Pray out here, we've got far more fossils than he has, that we don't have a building that we can use to display them. Your chance, anyone got any questions they'd like to ask? Wow. Who's going to be first to break the ice? Because what I'm going to do is flick through to the end. Yes, young lady? Up there. How has COVID-19 had such an impact worldwide? How has COVID, you mean as a virus? Yes. Okay. Um, If you think, say, of the Spanish flu, another sort of viral sort of situation... Uh, you will find that um, it only got to places when people travelled. Okay, but in World War I, travel was slow. Uh, You couldn't fly to Australia. You had to come by ship, so it was weeks and weeks and weeks. And if you got sick on the ship, usually you were dead before you got here. Right, so it never made it to Australia. But if it did, if you brought it with you um, in your person, then it would spread slowly around the globe. And if you know your history, it came, it made a savage impact. We set up isolation camps. We did what God told the people of Israel. If somebody is sick, isolate them. Right? And finally it's peaked and then it disappeared again and basically hasn't basically been seen since. Now, all viral stuff travels like that. It's just that we have an aeroplane. You don't even show a symptom when you get on in London and you don't show a symptom for another two weeks. Or sometimes you never show a symptom at all and yet it arrives in Australia absolutely undetected. I've had friends who died from COVID and basically you will find that uh, in the the first part that affected our ministry, the wife got sick, he got COVID, she got COVID, Um, she was dead in seven days and he has never had any symptoms or problems whatsoever. He was naturally immune. By the way, I'd suggest to you that you want to work on natural immunity. It's way better than any vaccine or injection you can ever get. But here in Australia, it's illegal to test for it. Did you know that? 
Doctors get fined up to $30,000 if they test to see that you're naturally immune without having the vaccine first. So yes, there's lots of suspicious issues going on out there that we could talk about if, uh, if we had time, and we, I won't do that tonight deliberately. But that's how it spreads much faster today than, it, than the Spanish flu did spread. Um, you also find that the difference between her and him was she had an underlying serious problem. She had diabetes, type 1, serious. Now, I'm really pleased to see Gladys Berejiklian in New South Wales has just done something they should have done ages ago. Did that lady die of COVID or did she die with COVID? The whole thing makes a big difference. So but Gladys, bless her heart, has just declassified COVID as being the sole source of death and on their website they're now claiming this person died with COVID. Now whether you say the COVID caused the diabetes to really go mad, which is what does seem to happen, it, it reinforces every other problem you might have, but it means that the number of people who are recorded as dying of COVID is going to drop, 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 which is what it should have been at the start. Um, so just, just pray for our politicians and our Christian leaders because they really do need wisdom because they're not necessarily being fed all the data. Um, to give you just an exciting, controversial, provocative issue, um, we fortunately, because I've worked in university medical faculties alongside professors and asked them about these things, um, I have one professor at the moment who says our university is demanding vaccine passports to enter the campus. I'm the professor who deals with the development of drugs. He said, I would have no drug that I've ever developed that's allowed on the market in less than five years. He said, this is a class three experimental drug. We do not know what it will do. Testing it for three months, testing it for eight months now. We don't know what it's going to do. Uh, and he said, so I'm leading the legal fight against the university for demanding a piece of paper to tell them that I have been, have been vaccinated when I have no intention of ever getting the vaccine. And he said, I have um, sent you some papers which showed one thing that I shared with Dave and uh, you might be surprised who's refusing to have the vaccine out there because the media regards it as the fundamentalists, the greenies, the bigots, the idiots, the anti-vaxxers, right? And yet the scientific papers are showing it's the professors, the doctors and the nurses who are refusing to have the vaccine. Uh, interesting world out there. So that's to answer your question. It gets around the world so quickly because of modern transport and modern mechanisms, but you're not necessarily being told all the truth at all. Let me just flick through to the end here so I know I've got it ready. There we are. Okay, uh, anybody got one more question? We've got perhaps time for 30 seconds up the back. Wait there, wait there, wait there. He's got to get up so your voice can be heard. What, what do you think of the PCR test and the way they're using that in Australia? Yeah, um, I'll give you the answer from the medical experts because I'm not one of them. So please don't take this as uh, medical instruction courtesy of Good Shepherd Baptist Church. It is not medical instruction from creation research. I'm good at rocks, right? But the medical professors have really... Um, express doubt about so much of these tests, right? In, in other words, when you looked at the guy in America, our president, right, who got COVID, according to experts, had absolutely no symptoms whatsoever, and yet his wife died of it 
and then his brother got it, no symptoms, and his wife died of it, both of whom were underlying diabetics, uh, what did the tests actually prove? As someone sarcastically said, what do you call a disease that you don't know you've had until you have a test for it that has no symptoms and you never know you've got it or you can give it away? Right? At the same time as we look at Israel and uh, people have been vaxxed to the point of 80% of the population, now they are the ones getting sick again, not the unvaxxed people. Remember I mentioned the Taliban? The Arabs have the lowest rate of vaccination on the planet and yet they're not getting sick again. Interesting to ask, what are these tests actually proving? Now, that is quote-unquote from the professors I spoke to last weekend, not quote-unquote from John Mackay, right? And yet I have no reason to, tr to, to have any doubt that these guys who work with the Centre of Disease Control who say, don't touch it, right? I will take their word for it no matter what. But have you noticed one thing? That's what the real problem is, whether it's climate or whether it's COVID. It's splitting churches. It's splitting society. It's splitting a, a group into, we've done, we are wonderful, or you haven't been done, you're a danger. Do you realise the devil loves to make you afraid? Okay, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am thy. Does anyone remember the next word? I was scared stiff when I first read this verse, not a COVID. This is ages ago. I had never witnessed to a non-Christian and I was going on a bus travelling somewhere to witness and, 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 and I was scared. And I was reading my Bible. And that verse jumped out at me. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. And in fact, didn't Jesus warn people that, listen, when I go, people are going to turn on you? And any Christian who was afraid was in real danger of backing off from their Christian testimony, of expressing their trust in God. There's another one. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. Yep, notice it's got the word fear there. But you're not fearing man. I don't fear what people can do to me because, I mean, the Lord is with me. He might even be wanting to use my death as a testimony to my trust in him. What about this one? It is the Lord who goes before you. This is the Lord speaking to Moses, to the people of Israel. He will be with you. Don't fear or be dismayed. Yes, there's big guys out there. Go ahead and beat them up because God's with you. Don't fear the people. I sought the Lord and he answered me. Lord, you've got to help me to witness. Lord, you've got to help me to find out. You've got to help me to talk to these professors. And in fact, you know what's interesting? I haven't mentioned a single name tonight. Do you know why not? Don't make this public, I'll lose my job. Have you tried getting a doctor to tell you uh, something you can use with his name attached to it? Nope. He will lose his job. He can't even test to see if you're immune. He will lose his job. There's something happening out there that's utilising fear. And you as Christians are the only ones who are equipped. Fear not. You have more value than many sparrows. You're not just an animal. And by the way, that's been fact-checked, and it's true. Yeah, the fact-checkers go for 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years. Don't fear, Noah. I will tell you how to build a boat, and you'll live through it. In fact, that's where we started. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous. More to be desired are they than gold. I mean, you die of the climate. You die of COVID. I mean, what did you really invest in in this world? Just go around collecting the fine gold on this planet? 
No, that's what you're invested in. You wasted your time. If you do not fear the Lord, why should you fear the Lord? Anyone who can make the universe in six days needs to be feared. Because in an argument, he wins. In a conflict, he always never loses. I mean, he is so strong, you better make sure you're on his side. Yeah, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Can I encourage you to realise that the thing that's motivating so many people at the moment is they're living their life of fear. Why do you think the suicide rate's doing that? I mean, aren't you guilty about not doing the environment the right thing? They're using fear. And now they are using fear. And in fact, do you know where it showed? I took a visiting couple from Melbourne to a church recently. And I introduced them. I, I said, this is my friends from Melbourne. And the Christians took two steps back. What did they do that for? I mean, you take people to church, you, you should be stepping up and saying hello. They stepped back. What were they afraid of? Melbourne was locked down. They'd left Melbourne before the lockdown. The Christians didn't even ask. They were afraid. Um, have you got non-Christians you're inviting to church lately? Uh, yeah, you need to. And you need to show that you fear the Lord, but you do not fear man, nor do you fear his schemes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The world is working on fear to get you to do things. Can I encourage you to pray for those Christian policemen who are taking a stand? The Christian professors who say, all right, I'm willing to lose my job. Are you? I mean, what about the two Christians who last week said, I do not want to do this. Why are you sacking me? I work out in the open. I'm your gardener. Hey, there's a lot of fear out there and you and I need to remember that our body has to fear the Lord. It's his temple. It's his temple of his Holy Spirit. That's your first parameter. I had one girl and she was pretty sick and she said, I think I'll just get some encouragement and give my body a tattoo. Just a little one. Now, she wrote that to me. What should I say? You see, I like her friendship. She really thinks wonders of me. And I said, don't do it. Because God tells you he hates tattoos. Yeah? I've got to tell you the truth. Am I afraid of you or afraid of the Lord? Now, she hasn't corresponded really since. I wonder what effect I had. You see, I told her her first thought had to be fear God, no matter how you feel about this issue. Can I encourage you, whether it's COVID or climate, your fear must be of the Lord who is an absolute sovereign God and who runs this planet whether the world thinks so or not. I mean, we get a drought. Thank you, Lord, for a drought. Help us to rebuild the dam bigger. You'll be positive. Take your fear of the Lord and put it into practice. You get sick. Thank you, Lord, for our lady who was our lovely treasurer for years and now she's with you. She's better off. Oh, we're not because we've got to find a new treasurer now, but you are greater than that. You will supply our need. Can I encourage you to remember to fear the Lord and to fear no other? Don't fear Satan. He loves to get you afraid. You kids, are you scared of the dark? When the devil tempts you, say, get lost. God invented the dark. It's his property. You're trespassing. Yeah, that's what you need to do. Can I encourage you to trust in the Lord in all things? Have a look at the back. Have a look at the materials. If you don't yet subscribe to our newsletter, pray for Joseph over there. I'm jealous of his brand new big building bigger than this and of some of the artefacts that were brought into England way before these modern rules applied and now they're in Creation Research Museum. 
thank you, thank you for those of you who pray and support us because Joseph has been totally dependent upon support from Australia and the USA to survive the last 18 months. I would love to give you an opportunity to ask questions, but it's way past time, so I'm going to finish and I'm going to hand back to our chairman for the night and uh, I will let him tell you how our meeting's going from now on. Appreciate you, Brother John, and just again, just it was a joy.